The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Frank Allen are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. We have got a jammed, packed hour for you this morning, and I just want you to dive in with us and stay with us. We're going to walk through some fundamentals of wealth management, successful wealth management. There's so many of you ask questions about what do I need to do, and we go over this, but I know that it's one of those things that we always say, you know, I could always get a little bit more information. Well, I've got Scott Jordan and Frank Allen with me today, both certified financial planners. We are going to dive into that subject. And then in the third or second part of the program, we've got Bob Dahl going to be with us. He's going to give us some understanding and update to what's going on with the economy, everything from energy to China. Just get ready for it. We're going to dive in with him on that. And then the last part, you're going to bring Scott and bring Frank back. And then it's going, we're going to talk about how do you go through the process of selecting an advisor because you've asked us the question, what questions do I ask? What do I look for? Well, that's the part of the program that we're going to do in the last third of the show. You don't want to miss that, so stay with us. But first and foremost, let me welcome Frank Allen and Scott Jordan to the program. Glad to be here, Jim. Thanks for having us. All right, guys, this is a big subject. I mean, when we talk about fundamentals of successful wealth management, People ask the questions, how do I get started? What are the things that I need to look for? And, I, you know, the point that I think is so important for us to help them understand is it's it's not always the same for everybody, but there is a template. So, Scott, start with the template. What do you tell people when they come across your desk and say to you, how do I get started? Well, that's a great question. You know, and a lot of times when we first meet people and they first come in, they're they're coming in for a purpose. And, and a lot of times that purpose is, hey, I'm ready to get started investing. I'm excited about this. And, and sometimes it's about taking a step back because we really want to start by protecting today before we talk about saving for tomorrow and really establishing that safety net considering those things that could be a risk that could derail our long-term plans, you know, whether it's loss of income, uh, damage or loss of property, maybe it's a health concern that could come in that could cost a lot of money. And, you know, I always say loss always hits somewhere on the balance sheet. It's either going to hit your assets or it's going to hit that income, but it's going to affect your balance sheet long-term. So you really have to start by looking at that, kind of taking that protection first mentality and talk about, okay, what do we need to do? Do we have an emergency fund established, that safety net there for for those costs that can come up and, and derail our long-term plans? So when you talk about risk or that the financial risk, whether it's loss of income, health, that's a big issue. Big one. And, and I think that's important. So what do you what do you try to tell people? Frank, let's look at you. What do you, when you sit down with someone about time and, and the whole idea of 
everybody kind of wants to procrastinate. Do you ever talked with anybody that's guilty? I'm not ever guilty of that. You know, I, I think every time I talk about procrastination, I did major in that and got an A, by got the way. Got an A in that in college. Yeah, graduated yeah. with honors. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, do people and why do people, we know they do, why do people procrastinate? You know, I think that the main reason people procrastinate is they're just so busy. You know, and so they yeah. say, I'm too busy to plan. I'm too busy to really deal with some of the important things. So they deal with the more urgent things instead of the really important things. So they're not thinking about tomorrow in general. They're thinking about today. So there are a lot of, well, we all deal with so many things today, and especially in today's day and time, you know, it's with people's health and, you know, things can take a turn immediately or really quickly. So we just have a tendency to focus on What's what's at our doorstep, you know, right now, and let's deal with that, and later I'll deal with the other. Yeah, that makes sense, and I think I think we're guilty of that. And so when we talk about fundamentals of wealth management, you kind of have to understand to establish the safety net, but put time on your side. I mean, make sure that you're not only if you think about the financial safety net. Yes, granted. But don't keep waiting and waiting and waiting. I, mean, I had a couple one time to come to me, and they were about 55, 56 years old. They walked into the office. They sat down. And they said, okay, we're ready to plan for our retirement. And they were serious. Yeah. They were dead serious. And they're thinking, I asked them, I said, well, what have you done so far? Uh, the answer was a dead silence, you know. I mean, and it was like I was shocked. This was a, a couple that were – very astute, very aware, but they had enjoyed, and I don't hold this against them, but that procrastination of putting it off, going to do it, I'm going to do what I want to do now. And that's what you're talking about, Frank. It is. And I've had clients come to me before they're clients and just say, okay, so when is the best time to do a plan? And so I say, well, do you have a plan? No. I said, okay, today. <laughs> today. Today. Today is the best time. So people are looking for this magic bullet of, of time and say, oh, it's going to be on October 17th. That's <laughs> the best time to do a plan. No, just do one today if you don't have one. Now, if you had one done last week, okay, then let's look at that plan. You know, we don't need to necessarily do another plan, but let's implement the plan. So that's another procrastination is after they've done a plan, they Start. procrastinate in implementing the plan. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I understand with that word. We talk about this, Scott, the fact that sometimes people say, well, I got too many bills to pay. I need to get out of debt before I start planning. I, I want to enjoy life, you know, and, and I don't I don't save money like I should. But there's all those issues. I mean, it's kind of excuse after excuse after excuse. And yet, as Frank's saying, it's kind of like, Today, today yeah. is a good time, and, and we see this over and over again. We all we all have limited resources. Uh, there's a different. Everybody has a different amount, but our resources are all limited. And we have unlimited options out there of how we're going to spend those resources. I always tell people, without a plan, without a long term strategy, it's so easy to let the immediate crowd out the ultimate, or let the short term crowd out those long-term goals. So it's critical to sit down and, first of all, establish those long-term goals. What are we trying to do? And and by doing that, you can start to prioritize your spending and decide whether you're going to let that money go. Because without a plan, the natural flow of money is into our pocket on a monthly basis and straight out the door. Without, without any effort, without a plan, that's usually where money goes. You know, that's so critical. And I want to remind everybody, if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Scott Jordan, Certified Financial Planner, and Frank Allen, Certified Financial Planner. We're talking about fundamentals 
of successful wealth management. And we talked about establishing a financial safety net, that's having enough money set aside, just make it a habit to save some money, but then put time on your side. And that's uh, that's difficult because there are always excuses. And we have a tendency to naturally procrastinate, especially when there's other things that we think or want them to be more important than saving money and planning for the future. You can find Talk Money, by the way. If you go to Apple Product or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Talk Money with Shoemaker Financial and subscribe to our podcast, and we would appreciate it. Leave us a a review, and uh, we appreciate that. Just uh, We would like for you to be able to listen to this at any time if you missed the rest of the program today. Let me ask you this, guys. I want to come back in just a second. And, I, and Scott, I'm going to lead in. There's a thing called income tax strategies. And with all the things going on and what we see with the new possible new tax laws, what do you say to somebody about planning for income tax strategies, especially when it comes to their financial plan and what they're trying to do in the future? That's the comment that I, this discussion I want to tie into when you come back. All right. Got it. All right, sir. Very good. I'm listening and talking with and listening to Scott Jordan and Frank Allen. We'll be back in just a minute with more of Fundamentals of Successful Wealth Management. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Hey, Memphis, have you heard about a great show right here on KWAM from 4 to 4.30 every Sunday? It's Awaken Me Too, real people serving a real God, bringing you real-life transformation stories along with world-class worship music led by Bruce Carroll and Paul Verkus. Awaken Me Too, right here on KWAM every Sunday from 4 to 4.30. Or check us out on the World Wide Web at JesusHelps.me. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM, the mighty 990. My guest Scott Jordan, Certified Financial Planner, and Frank Allen, Certified Financial Planner. We're talking about fundamentals of successful wealth management. We've talked about understanding that a safety net, just having that money set aside for whatever you forget that's going to happen. I mean, the air conditioner goes out, the car wreck, or whatever it is, not serious, just a fender bender. But the reality is you've got to have a safety net, a financial safety net that can offset financial risk. That's important. That was number one. Number two is don't procrastinate. That's with a capital P. Don't allow yourself to make excuses, excuses, excuses. Get started and don't turn back. Stay with your plans. Invest. Do whatever you're trying to do to reach your goals. And don't wait too long because the longer you wait, the more it costs. If you're not a good saver, that's okay. Figure out with someone. Get a partner. If you're not married, get a partner that will help you set aside dollars that you can uh, begin to save. All right. Now, Scott, when we went to break, we talked about minimizing income taxes. There's a lot going on. Mr. Biden wants to make some changes there. What does a person who's developing a plan need to understand about minimizing income taxes in regardless to what Mr. Biden does? 
Well, I think I think you start thinking about it conceptually. You know, there's really only five short-term uses of money. That's that's you can spend it on lifestyle, live. You can give it away. You can owe debt, making debt payments. You can owe taxes, or you can grow it for the future. All of those compete with each other. Live, give, owe, owe, grow is how I remember that. And money spent on taxes today is money you don't have to either increase your lifestyle, you know, give away to charity, or grow it for the future. So anything that you can do to minimize the impact of taxes, both today and in the long term, is more money you're going to have for those other uses. So don't put that off. Don't put that off. Doing that. Um, All right. That's important, guy. I appreciate very much. We're going to cover some more information in the next part of the hour. But I tell you what, I want to shift right now. I've got Bob Dahl on the phone, and I want to get him in because he's going to help us understand some of the things you're talking about from the economy. And I'll come back to more questions for Scott and for Frank in just a minute. But welcome to the program, Mr. Dahl. Thank you, my friend. You know, I got to ask you some questions because we've been talking about some fundamentals of wealth management, of getting involved. We've talked about staying, you know, making sure you have a financial safety net, put time on your side, don't procrastinate. Scott just talked about minimizing income taxes, getting your IRAs or, you know, your 401k, getting started in some things, tax exempt securities. But when we talk about fundamentals of wealth management, people have this I guess we'd call it fear of getting started because they don't know what's going on and should they be concerned. I want to ask you the question, first and foremost, what would you tell to that first-time investor about what's going on in the economy today and what should they be doing? Yeah, I'd start by saying if you haven't started, get started, um, regardless of the environment. Um, I'm presuming it's somebody who has nothing in the stock market and realizes they need something there. Uh, now, having said that, the fundamentals are, uh, uh, I would say, mixed is the right way to, to, to put it, Jim. Um, the positives, which be, have been around for many months now, uh, are an economy that is uh, recovering from uh, the brief but um, uh, disaster recession caused by the pandemic. And that's been aided significantly, as you know, uh, by massive uh, easing on the part of the central bankers, both the Fed in the U.S. and around the world, as well as amazing amounts of spending from Washington, D.C. to try to get our economy going. And that has all had some success. Um, the, the problem now, of course, is stocks have doubled off their low to their high. People recognize that the economy and earnings are good, and we've got a, a few other flies in the ointment. We've got inflation that's not all transitory. It's uh, it's it's more problematic than we've seen in years. Uh, we, we've got uh, uncertainty about the Fed. When will they taper? Who will the Fed chair be? Will the current Fed chair be renominated? That's a new story in the last just the last couple of weeks. Uh, the assumption was Powell would be reappointed. We've got the uncertainty related to fiscal policy. Everything from it's going to all fall apart and nothing's going to get passed 
to, well, wait a minute, the three and a half trillion dollar bill. Maybe, maybe they won't pass three and a half. Maybe they only pass two trillion, only two trillion, quote unquote. Uh, but all they'll do is reduce the uh, time frame for the programs. So it's really the same bill, just over a shorter uh, time frame. Will we get the infrastructure bill? So the uncertainties uh, are there. I call it flies in the ointment, and that's why we've seen in the last month or so kind of up the limit one day, down the limit the next, and uh, it's green one day, red one day, and, and you can get whiplash following the market short term. Can we spell volatility? That's what you're saying, right? Just, just expect yeah. it? When the market goes straight up, which it basically did for 18 months, volatility is low. When when the trend changes to sidewise or let's hope not so much down, volatility almost always picks up. And we will get we will continue, in my view, with this higher volatility uh, for, for for the next several months at least. You know, I know the Fed meeting recently talked about beginning to taper some asset purchases by the year end. Do you see that really beginning to affect affect the market? What about you know rising interest rates? That's a concern for a lot of people. That would be a concern for a neophyte when they listen to a particular media broadcast and uh, not listening to you. What are they hearing? And that's a concern. So what do you say? Yeah. So so let me put it in the context, uh, Jim. The, the Fed has been the stock market's best friend. Foot to the accelerator, pedal to the metal. Uh, kind of uh, everything the stock market uh, enjoys, and the bond market for that matter. Somewhere down the line, a couple of three years from now, the Fed will be the market's worst enemy. It happens every business cycle. And the transition from best friend to worst enemy is, number one, reduce the growth rate of the money supply. We've already seen that to some degree. Second is what you're talking about, tapering. They've been buying... billions of dollars of securities in the market to support the economy uh, each and every month. They will begin tapering that, assuming there's some clarity on the fiscal side of the ledger. They can't, they can't do it now. But my guess is around the turn of the year, they'll get started and finish sometime uh, summer next year. And then the question is, when will they r- raise rates? Um, the consensus sort of is by December, kind of after the election next year. Uh, I think that's the latest that will happen. If, if inflation is problematic, they may have to move sooner. All right. Question. Everybody talks about it. China. What's the issues with China? Oh, my goodness. How many hours do we have? I'll, <laughs> I'll try to keep it simple. Um, the U.S. and China are number one and number two at most things uh, economic related. And when number one and number two don't get along, that's not a pretty picture. We are in a cold war with China. Let's let's face the facts and label it as such. Uh, we'll all remember or have read about the Cold War with the Soviet Union not that many decades ago. Um, the, the, it, there are many issues. Uh, part of it is how do we peacefully coexist from an economic standpoint? Um, uh, how much of our technology have they, are they continuing to, quote, steal? Um, and, and, and how do we react to that? Uh, issues of alignment. Who is aligning with the U.S., who is aligning with China. Most countries have to choose, and uh, that's not a pleasant situation either. Um, Questions about um, uh, China's economy and how much of 
are goods will they continue to buy and vice versa so these are big picture questions that are a little problematic um, as as you know we, we, we tend to look the two countries at the world from a very different perspective you know I have so many questions for you and I've got this last question and, and we just have a few minutes here but the bottom line is equities bullish or bearish yeah, so I, I'm. If you give me six to twelve months time horizon, I think think stocks will beat bonds. I think the economy is still okay uh, uh, with economic and uh, earnings growth as we're seeing it. Even though it's slowing, it's hard to come up with a bear market. Having said that, we write a weekly commentary, and the first sentence in the conclusion was, "At the moment, we would be cautious." So, if this neophyte has some money to go in the stock market, doesn't mean you have to put it all in tomorrow morning. Dollar cost average in over a period of weeks or months. We'll probably get some lower prices before that's over, but probably not a bear market. All right, 30 seconds. Tax policy. Is it going to make a change? Uh, I think there will be a change. I think the Democrats will find a way to uh, compromise with their wars, even within their own party, and we'll see some tax increases. Individual high-income high, high rate will probably go to 39.6. Corporate taxes, currently 21, probably go to 25, maybe a little higher than that. What I don't think will happen are big changes in uh, all the estate planning issues. They're very complicated and controversial. And I don't think that will happen. Capital gains tax will go up as well. You think that'll affect the market? I think the market already kind of knows that's coming. That's part of the noise we've been seeing here. Um, you know, historically, tax increases um, have actually a mixed um, uh, reaction in terms of the market. Historically, um, you know, you, you, you go through the fundamentals, and uh, higher taxes means less to spend, means the economy probably not doing as well. So I, I would view it as a negative. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. This is Jim Shoemaker. You've been listening to Talk Money. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Frank Allen and Scott Jordan. We're talking about fundamentals of successful wealth management. You know, guys, we just talked to Bob, and he was giving us an economic update, and the reality is that should help a lot of people. You know, when you listen to that type of a broad perspective, Scott, that helps people understand a little bit about what's going on, but we still get this caught up of the media creating what I call the stress and the anxiety, the fear that keeps people from, from doing anything. Yes. You do a great job of guiding people through that. Talk about what you see as important when it comes to wealth management. Well, you know, we were talking b- before the earlier break about minimizing taxes because, again, you know, as Bob mentioned with corporations, you know, when corporations have to pay higher taxes, that's less money they have to expand, hire more employees, and it's the same on your personal balance sheet. Paying more taxes, less you have for your other goals. So looking at ways to minimize the impact of taxes, both short-term and long-term, things like you know, taking advantage of qualified plans, that's a big one. Most pe- A lot of people have those available at work. If not, you can set up an IRA. 
uh, or a SEP or a simple IRA, but taking advantage of those tax advantage vehicles like that can go a long way toward helping you uh, hit those goals. Uh, you know, owning tax-exempt securities, things like municipal bonds that you don't have to pay taxes on currently. So uh, another one that people don't think about a lot is putting money, especially if you're young, putting money in growth investments that that really don't pay a lot of dividends today. You know, they're designed for growth and appreciation of uh, value. So you don't have that current tax bill today, as opposed to, say, a dividend-paying stock that's going to pay you a dividend today that you have to pay taxes on. So, do, do you suggest someone to do this when you talk about, you know, taxes, income, and 401ks, you know, qualified plans, or anything like that? Are you simply saying that put that money in and, and kind of quit looking at it? Is that what you're saying? Stay away from <laughs> the day-to-day, especially if you're going to be a media person who's listening to all the noise. Sure. Yeah. What, what would you say? Well, it's it's hard for people to do that. You know, we try to encourage people to do that, but you can't let the short-term noise derail your long-term plans. The economy is, you know, I always say the our economy is resilient, cyclical, and unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen in the short term. Now, in the long term, we've seen especially equities over the long term grow in value and be a a huge part of people's growth. But in the short term, anything goes right. We're going to see that volatility like we've seen in the last couple of days. So it's important to kind of turn off that noise and ignore that. And, and remember, we're doing this for we need this money 20, 30 years down the road, not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. There's an article out by Vice Magazine, which I thought was pretty, or Vice, excuse me, Vice Magazine, which I thought was pretty good. It says three out of four American adults surveyed, 74%, three out of four, basically, they would sell out of the U.S. stock market if equities suffered a moderate or big decline. That's a, what do you think of that? I mean, It's that's, not surprising at all. We see that in investor behavior. Investors tend to, you know, when the market gets real euphoric or, or the economy's doing really well, you start seeing people want to pile in. They start getting that fear of missing out. I want to get in the market now. And then the opposite also happens. When we see the economy take a downturn and the headlines start getting scary and and people tend to go through that depressed time, they start to want to sell out and stop that pain and get out of that. So it's it's almost the opposite of what you have to do. I know actually it is the opposite <laughs> of what you have to do to be a successful long-term investor. Well, that's critical for a lot of people. We have a PDF that we're going to offer to everybody just simply that they can go and get that. And all that you have to do is uh, just go to our Find the PF. It's just several princi- it's seven principles of long-term investing. It's go to the Shoemaker Financial Facebook page and click on the uh, PDF. It's free. So it's called Seven Seven Fundamentals or Seven Principles of Long-Term Investing. My guest is Scott Jordan and Frank Allen. We're talking about successful wealth management. And if you'd like to uh, listen to this program again, it's to talk money. Uh, just if, Whether you listen on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to a podcast, search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to our podcast and you know, leave us a, a review, a kind review, a nice review, or whatever. You know, and if you're busy and you never mind, whatever you want to say, we will pay attention. We appreciate the critique. Um, let me ask you this, Scott. When we finish up with this, the whole idea between establishing a safety net and y'all, you guys really covered. Don't procrastinate. Put time on your side. You just covered minimum income taxes, and with what Bob told us, matching a person's portfolio and their personality is critical. What do we mean when you say that? 
Well, it's it's understanding. You know, we call we use a word called risk tolerance a lot. You know, that's that's one of the aspects that we look at when we're trying to design a portfolio for someone, and that is what is your what is your pain level? What is your tolerance for that volatility? Because again, we're investing for the long term. We don't know what's going to happen in the short term. And the last thing you want to do is start uh, being an investor, and then you're in a portfolio that's a little too aggressive for your risk tolerance, and we go through one of those volatile periods, which we're going to go through, you need to expect. And at that time, you do exactly what that statistic you just read sold. We're going to sell out of the market because it's gotten a little scary now, and I want to get out of this. So understanding that risk tolerance, what is my time horizon? You know, we talked about getting started earlier, but when am I going to need this money? You know, if it's money that you need to, for whatever reason, I'm going to build a house next year, but I want to go ahead and invest it. We always encourage people, no, you probably don't want to put that money in the market. The market is for long-term money. So understanding that time horizon, that risk tolerance, and that risk capacity can help you design that portfolio that that you're comfortable with and that you can stick with for the long term. Critical critical. You've covered some very basic fundamentals. Frank, I know when you talk with a client, you're trying to guide them through this whole, and it's, it's, you talked about procrastination. You guys really covered that well. The key to it is they have to get started, have to get started now. The, the concern that so many people have is how to go through this process and stay at it. What do you tell them about staying at it? Well, I think it's, if we focus on goals, um, and I just say, you know, is this still a goal of yours? You know, so when we talk about goals in the beginning, uh, which I know we'll talk about more a little bit later, but goals are very important. And so I try to relate their decisions to their goals. And if they say, hey, I want to get out because I'm just nervous, and, and I say, oh, well, so when do you need this money? I thought you didn't need it for another 10 years, that kind of question. And then their goals of, yeah, I do want to re- retire in 10 years. So then you, say, you, you just talk to them about, okay, well, what it's doing, what the market's doing right now is not that important. It's really kind of a blip on the overall market. And when you put it in the context of, I have a long-term goal here that I still want to catch and meet. A lot of people have figured that out, too, from that standpoint. That's critical. I appreciate you saying that. Seven fundamentals or seven principles of long-term investing. It's a PDF. We're going to download it to our Shoemaker Financial Facebook page. You can simply search it, go to the post. It's free. Just download it and uh, feel free to read it. We think it will be helpful. Frank, I'm going to lean in on you because here's the question that we get. How do I go about asking the questions or finding a financial advisor that will help me make these decisions. And it's amazing that as we talk about this day, I didn't plan this originally, but the reality was the, the fact that Bob comes in and gives us that expertise from where he is as an investment manager. Scott, you've talked about the whole idea behind fundamentals of wealth management, but that's a great start. Now I've got to go and find somebody to help me with it. And uh, that can be difficult. So, Frank, let me ask you the first and foremost question. What are the, some of the things that you ask and you would say to somebody, here's some questions you need to be asking? What would you say would be number one? Well, I would ask about their credentials. You know, what, what have you studied? You know, what type of education do you have? Uh, what is your background? What is your experience? Um, a key question, you know, because most of the business that comes to me and people who come to me really come through referrals. And so somebody is typically calling me because they have a friend that has talked about me already. 
And so I think trust is probably the single greatest and most important issue or, or thing that you want to look for is I want to work with somebody that I can trust, that I can get along with, that listens more than they talk, you know, that that has an understanding that really wants to know me before they start giving me recommendations and advice. That is so, you know, that's a unique thought process because to, to some people they're coming in and a lot of times we've been told and we hear this a lot of times, people come in and they start talking about all the things they do instead of listening to what the person is mm-hmm. wanting to do, what they want to do, not what the advisor is trying to do. Exactly. That's so critical. So when we come back, I want to lean in, Scott, with you and talk about, you know, how a person gets paid. That's sometimes a question. Nobody wants to ask it, but it's a way that they should know. How does the person get paid? And the difference between fiduciary and stability. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Scott Jordan and Frank Allen. And our subject at this point of the program is how do you find of an advisor. How do you go about that process? So many people have asked, and you want to know the questions to ask. Well, we're going to give them to you in this second, in this third part of the program. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Bob Dahl or Crossmark Global Investments. The views and opinions expressed are those of Bob Dahl only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. My guests, Scott Jordan and Frank Allen, we're talking about how do you go about the process of looking for and finding a financial advisor? The the way you go about it, how do you ask the questions? What questions should you be asking? And this is a tough, tough area for a lot of people because if they, and I think Frank, you covered it a while ago, if they're referred, it's a whole lot easier. But if they're just out looking, they go through a ton of searching, then they've got to have that meeting with the person and as we know, a lot of times there's more talk by the advisor than there is listening, and that's a problem. I appreciate you covering that. But, Scott, I want to lean in a little bit and, and ask you this question. If the person is in the process of going through the search, and, again, we got this question. For, if we've actually got two or three times. What are the questions you ask? Is it inappropriate to ask the question of how you get paid, or what would you tell to an individual who's looking to know the questions to ask? That is absolutely not inappropriate. Uh, I think that it's important that an advisor, whoever they are serving, is very transparent about their fee structure, how they are compensated. Now, there's not any right or wrong answer to that, but I think you as a a consumer of the service need to understand how your advisor is getting paid because there is a potential that the way they're paid could influence some of the recommendations that they're making to you. You know, are they are they paid through fees or are they paid through maybe uh, a a commission or where the the product and service that they're representing pays them or is there a combination of both? Like I said, no right or wrong answer to any of those, but you need to understand how they're being compensated. And so being transparent, the advisor, regardless of how they're paid, just being transparent to tell the prospective person talking to them, this is how I am compensated. And you're saying fees or commissions or fees and commissions, whatever it is, no right or wrong, just knowing and being transparent, that's the key. Yeah, and don't and not being afraid to ask that question. You need to know the answer to that question. I think that would be something I would want to know early okay. in the relationship. The idea between somebody being suitable 
and somebody working with a fiduciary. Explain that because the question is, if you're asking and you're talking to an advisor, you're simply saying, I want to know, are you a, do you function your standard of work as, as a suitable, do you do it from suitability or do you do it as a fiduciary? That's the question. I think that's an important distinction. You know, that's been a hot, hot topic in our industry for a while. There's been a lot of legal uh, ramifications that have come up recently to try to converge those two, but there's still a measurable difference. You know, you have somebody, and it's basically the standard they operate under. It, uh, under a fiduciary standard, they have that duty of loyalty and prudence throughout the entire relationship that you're always putting the client's interest ahead of your own. Whereas suitability is a little uh, less of a standard where they just it just has to be a suitable recommendation when you make the recommendation. So it's not not quite as as long term in nature or not quite as as um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not quite. Well, as, I think you're talking about it. Just, you, you do the product. Yep. And suitability that day. Right. And it's and no it's, suitability after it's that. Good. Now, like I said, there's been a lot of legislation to, to try to converge those two and put a little bit more on that suitability standard. But there still is a measurable difference between the two. It's critical, and I and I think it's important that don't hesitate to ask. Be, don't hesitate. The, to you know, ask. the person that will be transparent, as Frank was saying earlier, is the communication, the trust factor is critical when you're about to trust somebody with your financial future. Now, Frank, when you talk about that, would you want someone to ask you, or let me just use this question. I am interviewing you, talking to you. We've covered how you're paid. You're covered about being suitable or you're functioning as a fiduciary, but what about what is your investment philosophy? I mean, are you a risk go out there and go crazy, or are you going to allow me to tell you what I want to do and you work with me? You you understand what I'm asking? I do, and that's uh, again very important to to be clear. Uh, you know, we have models, and I think most companies you know that you deal with and advisors have certain models, but there's so many different models. And so um, I'll have a client when I'll say, so let's talk about risk and when you're going to need the money and the, t- the time horizon involved. Then, you know, it really comes down to understanding that person's timetable and their goals. You know, okay. And, and so a lot of times I'll get a when we start talking about risk, I'll have a client ask me, so, so what's your risk tolerance? And, I'm, so I, and I tell them, I say, but that, I, I, we're in different stages of life, perhaps, right? right? So if I'm close to retirement and you're, you're in your mid-40s, then that could be a totally different thing. So don't go by just what I tell you mine is. It, that doesn't mean it's the best. That just means that that's my personal risk tolerance. And so I tell them that. Yeah, I, I think when you when you talk about understanding the investment philosophy of your advisor and making sure that aligns with yours, you know, it's it's really about understanding that risk. What kind of risk am I taking? Uh, and having an advisor that's that's in alignment with what you want and understanding the trade-offs of that. You know, we talk about this a lot. Uh, if I'm going to, to lower my risk and be in a multi-asset portfolio, there's a trade-off to that. You know, when, when you're in a bull market and technology stocks are off running and you're not – all concentrated in those, your portfolio is probably going to lag that a little bit during that time. But the flip side of that is when we go through the panic times, your portfolio may perform a little better than that. So it's really about understanding that investment philosophy, making sure that you're in alignment with that investment philosophy and that everybody's on the same page and understands the risk and trade-offs. Great, great point. Frank, if you're talking to someone and the two your, your investment philosophy and their investment philosophy doesn't match, what happens? 
Well, we do have to have some good conversation about that because if a person comes in and says, well, I only want to do this particular strategy and it's something like I'll have people come in and say maybe, you know, well, I only want to buy individual stocks, you know, then I may say, you know what? I'm not so sure that that may be a good match for us. And so we have that conversation. It could be, could still be a good match. But, you know, we like, you know, using um, investments that give the proper level of diversification and so and the proper amount of risk sharing, you know, and risk tolerance. So, um, you know, we do have to have a good conversation about that before we proceed. That's a tough conversation, but you have to have it. You have to be willing. And so as the selection of an advisor, I want to know that you're willing to talk with me to, you know, to help me understand what I'm doing. I think that's the critical part. Well, and not only the type of investment, but even the timing of investment. I'll have some clients call and say, okay, I'm calling because I want to invest money in in the market. And so then I begin asking questions before I say, okay, let's go invest. I say, so how much money do you have in the bank? Do you have your reserve? Going back to what we were talking about earlier, do you have an adequate cash reserve? And, and so they'll tell me they want to invest the amount that they tell me they have in the bank. And I'll say, <laughs> well, no. No, what we need to do is postpone that conversation because that wouldn't be fair for you. It wouldn't be right for me to tell you to invest that $5,000, let us say, that you have in the bank. That could be their nest egg. That that could be their nest egg. And so I'm not going to want them to invest money in the market until they have and keep and set aside a really good appropriate cash reserve. That's a good point. What about the question is, uh, the person might ask is, who is on your team? Are you a solo advisor or do you have people supporting you? Boy, teams are so important, especially these days. You hear teaming a lot in our industry. And so in many cases, you might have a particular product specialist, and then you might have a uh, an administrative support person, and you might have somebody helping with investment philosophies and uh, doing some research in the, in the back office. So uh, teams are extremely important. And most of the time, behind any good advisor is a really good team. Oh, that's a great point. Final question, but it's a critical question. What happens if you retire or you pass away unexpectedly? You know, an advisor, that's been a hard thing for our industry. And and just like every industry right now, there are a lot of people that are going to be retiring in the next 10 years. You know, you have pilots, you have, you know, all all different kind of people in different professions that are going to be retiring in droves. So it's really up to your advisor to really adequately, again, plan, to be a planner, to be a plan for his own practice, his or her own practice, and their clients. And so um, I'm going through that process today, you know, and have a successor in place. And so you kind of have to, again, look at your own retirement plan and say, how much longer do you do? Am I going to be here? And what happens next? Because you always have to be thinking about your clients and about your practice and about your team, but most of all, your clients and who's going to serve them when you're gone. Well, that is so critical. Well done, guys. You've done a super job. And, you know, I think what you're doing is just helping people understand there's a lot of things that you have to think about just knowing the questions. I hope this has been helpful for a lot of people. I want to thank my guest, Bob Dahl, Scott Jordan, and Frank Allen. If you have questions, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. If you want to find a copy of the PDF that I mentioned earlier, Seven Principles of Long-Term Investing, go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document. It's in our post. It's free. Download it and uh, enjoy. You can find the show, Talk Money, at, uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to our podcast. And 
feel free to leave us a good review. I'm just kidding. Next week, my guest, Daniel Irwin, Better Business Bureau for the Mid-South. He is going to talk about employment and fake check scams. Rob Clement will be here talking about elder financial abuse, how to protect your loved one. And Frank Lacarica is going to be teaching college students about money. That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the Mighty 990. If you have questions, send them to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of the day's program. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Frank Allen are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.